Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And we are here live at the Apprentice Worldwide Real Estate Industry Group, our first official meeting. And we have invited some distinguished guests that will be talking about their experience and why they got into the real estate market and give some tips and advice for young professionals that are either considering a career in real estate or that are just looking to invest in real estate and or have an interest in supporting uh, industry careers such as you know uh, uh, real estate commercial real estate lending and and, and the sort so uh, I'm going to first introduce to my right which obviously nobody cares because this is a recording <laughs> so Robert Bartelmes Robert Bartelmes has been a long time uh, banker and he uh, he just recently for the past I don't know four or five years uh, started uh, with a group of investors started his own real estate fund and uh, he'll tell you more about that and then Gabriel Sosa he uh, works uh, uh, for many many years in the luxury real estate market and is also now a developer and he'll tell us a little bit about his experience and why he got into you know this this uh, this business besides uh, uh, making good money, <laughs> which we all want to make good money in, in in everything that we do. So, with that said, you know, any comments about yourselves, please feel free, and then I'm gonna ask you some questions, uh, and then the audience is gonna ask questions as well. Okay. Robert, okay, perfect. Oh, you know, first of all, it's good to be here with you guys. You know, I uh, always love to uh, speak to investors and, and to young professionals that are looking to find, you know, their their way in the not only in the real estate market but whatever you know careers they decide to take. Tell you a little bit about me. Uh, you know, I actually started my career in banking. Really, without any idea that I would end up in real estate, I, I started as a trade finance uh, specialist. Uh, and I started in trade finance. I did trade trade finance for 20 years. I used to run the international trade finance department for a German bank here in Miami. Uh, we used to be very active with Central America. We used to be very active for Latin America. And then I went to work for another bank, running their international department. But we also started to develop a commercial real estate division. Uh, so I developed a commercial real estate division for the bank. And we used to do all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, we used to finance construction, we used to finance investments in multifamily, uh, industrial, uh, we used to finance industrial warehouses. I mean, we used to really be very active and involved in, in real estate. Hello. Hello, welcome. Hi. So we have some more people in the audience joining us. Tanya, please. What year? After 2000 or 2008? I mean, the boom, the growing? Well, you know, I, I started doing, I started doing real in 2002. Uh, 2002 in the boom. You know, we wrote it all the way up to 2008. And, uh, you know, then um, we had to work through, uh, through our portfolio. Because, you know, it, you know, it doesn't matter 
what type of real estate lending you were doing if you were lending into into the bubble years which were 2006 2007 and 2008 you know you were going to make certain loans into uh, into overvalued properties mm -hmm. right so then in 2008 we changed our operation and we really became a uh, we become a workout operation you know so we started looking at because i mean a lot of the loans ended up having some sort of you know some type of, of, of problem or another yeah. So, you know, so I stayed in banking till 2000, till about three years ago. And three years ago, I decided to go on my own. So I got together with a group of investors. Yeah, so we got together with a, with a group of investors and we started to lend money on real estate. Right, so we lend to, uh, we're private lenders. Mm -hmm. uh, we lend to people that don't necessarily go through bank financing for different mm -hmm. reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's speed. Now you need to close on a property on, on, on a loan in 10 days mm -hmm. you know we uh, traditional office building you know we structure the deal and we place it with one of our institutional lenders so we really touch on on, on a variety of aspects of the real estate market thank you yeah thank you Gabriel all right well it's a pleasure being here uh, thanks for the invitation Hernan and uh, I think one of the goals in, in this business is once you reach a certain level of, uh, of accomplishments and a certain level of what you've done is to be able to give back and to be able to share some of what you've done and, um, and be the person you wish you had when you started. Um, I think that's, a, so it's, a, it's honestly a privilege. Um, you asked where did I go to school? I play around that I went to school in real estate. And the reason is, is literally, um, I got into business when I was 18. Um, I was fortunate enough to jump into this business at that age. Um, the first couple of years, like every uh, uh, new up-and-coming uh, up agent is, uh, is a struggle. I remember I used to work uh, valet at the airport, uh, Fort Lauderdale Airport. Waking up 3 o'clock in the morning, going to work, being there around 4.30. You had to park outside the airport. You had to wait for their own bus to bring you back into the airport. So I'd wake up around three, leave or work around one to be able to start work, to be able to really get into real estate. And I did that for about a year and a half before things really started moving along and I had enough that I could sort of uh, take this business on. Um, two years from that point on, uh, when I reached uh, two years of having my license, I applied for my broker's license, got it, and I became the, the managing broker for my office. We had about 47 agents. At the time, I was 21. And uh, a year after that, I became partner in that company. And I was the youngest partner in the company at 22. Um, a few years after that, uh, 2008, catastrophe came along and the whole market sank and I started a company geared towards helping clients um, get out of their issues. So uh, helping clients do short sales and loan modifications. Uh, that company went, did rather well. We had about 75 loan officers. We had about close to 50 agents, all geared towards this market. I had two offices, one in Hollywood and one in Orlando. Um, then the government came up with a beautiful idea, which was the person that's struggling, they will not be able, they will not be allowed to pay for your services until you complete the work. 
So now, let's say you, Hernan, were late on your payments and you haven't paid in a year. And I come by and I tell them I have great news. I was just able to get your loan modified. All right, we got the terms, we got everything. You're now going to be able to afford your home. So now the bank wants six months of payment at one time. And don't forget, you have to pay me my fee. Mm -hmm. No client was able to pay. Mm -hmm. And so we had two attorneys on staff. We created a structure. So we created a contract. We structured the payments on six steps. The state didn't like that. We got sued by the state attorney general. And uh, up until about last year, I had a pending lawsuit of about a million dollars. So we went through those struggles to learn, uh, get a little bit of experience, and you learn what to do and what not to do along the way. Um, 2010, I started an operation based in, uh, in Aventura geared towards helping international clients. So today I wear a few different hats. I'm the Vice President of Development and Acquisitions at Vita Development. We're a real estate development company for luxury and for uh, commercial multifamily properties. Um, I wear the hat of the international director of the course Realty, and uh, we're a firm. We're actually the largest boutique firm in Sunny Isles. We have about about 187 agents, the last count. 14 different languages. And we're very very well versed in the in the area, and I also wear the direct the hat of director of ICTUS Group, which is my original firm, now a member of the course Realty. So. To sum it all up, um, I think the experiences that I've gathered over the year have allowed me to achieve the success that we've had. In fact, I told you, Ernan, that um, Monday, I think it was Monday, that we spoke. No, it was Friday last, or I mean Monday, they approved. They seeked out, uh, I did an application, I didn't have to uh, interview with them, but the long story short is a month and a half into it, they approved me and I'm a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council which really says a lot about the accomplishments that we've had over the years and, and the experience that we've gathered. But um, I think that what's important about this business is resilience and just chunking it along. You really, yeah. you know, and there's no other way, you know. I play around that we, uh, we, uh, we arrive at the beach and we sink our ships. There's only one way to go and, uh, and that's forward. You can't really uh, reminisce in the past. Um, I also say that the only thing worse than nostalgia is amnesia. You certainly need to understand what's happened so that you don't repeat it. Mm -hmm. But uh, certainly understand that uh, technology is ahead of us. There's a whole different world coming up. And um, you know what has happened in my generation is so different than the up-and-comers now in their early 20s coming into this business. So that's a... Um, quick overview of, uh, of my career thus far. Excellent. Well, two distinguished and accomplished executives with, with a career spanning many years. Uh, picture yourself at, you know, you said 18, and you know, between 18 and, and 21. Uh, who were your mentors? How did you learn this Business, whatever it was that you that you wanted to accomplish. How did you? Uh, what tilted you to that towards that direction? Mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you can share a little bit about that. And number two, 
uh, do you continue to stay in touch with these people or participating in the organizations where you mentored yourselves? Sure, so the mentors are, are very important, right? I mean, uh, and you'll find them throughout your life. I mean, in my life, I've been very fortunate you know, that I've had uh, great mentors in the different aspects of my career. You know, as I was coming in, when, when I was in banking and I was in trade finance, I used to work for this, uh, is that if you're going to be in a particular business, you have to be the authority in your business. So if you were going to be in trade finance, you have to understand your business. Uh, Ignacio. Uh, you know, so, so I learned that you have to understand your business inside out. You, know, you have to dedicate yourself so that you are the person that is the, the, the go-to person in that particular business. And he was able to do this. You know, and he was able to move in, 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 in different circles at different levels uh, with, with, with a lot of ease. Um, you know, as, as I started moving into real estate, you know, I did have uh, a couple of different uh, mentors on the development side and also on the, on the real estate finance side. Uh, you know, they the played an important role that I, that I looked up to, that you know, I paid attention to what they were doing, and uh, that I, to, to today, I, you know, that I keep a very good relationship with. You know, I, would, I would suggest that you do find that person that is a good fit for you, uh, and that's a good role model uh, for you guys as you guys are developing your, your, your careers, or if you decide to go into, into sales, which I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great market, you know, especially, especially if you're in Florida. So, uh, but I know particularly in your in your in your story because I know a little bit about your story. You were you were brought into a sink and swim. Uh, you were brought into you were put into a role right that uh, that uh, required you to go beyond your commercial lending, you know, trade finance to shifting to, to the real estate market. Uh, so, and, and I remember when I used to do with you, you, you uh, at the beginning, you didn't know that business, right? But you, but you figured it out, right? You learned, you learned, you were put in that situation and learned, so. I think in life, you only learn when you're put in those circumstances mm -hmm. where you have to sink or swim, yeah. right? Uh, you have to figure out, uh, what the solutions are or what the ways are. Uh, you know, if you decide to take a career in banking, the core structure that you learn at the beginning is important because, you know, if you, if you have the, uh, the general structure, I think that you can survive and actually thrive in different aspects. You know, if you, uh, if you are a, if you have a good substance, you know, you can do trade finance and you can adapt to uh, real estate. Uh, very quickly, but it's that core that you have to develop because if you decide to take a career in, in, in corporate America, you know, you're not always going to be doing one thing. And you don't want to be doing one thing. So, you know, I mean, in, in my particular case, I've been blessed. I've done trade finance. I've established credit departments on the risk management side. You know, I've worked with compliance. I've worked with, uh, uh, so I've, I've always had to figure out and, and, and adapt. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, when, when you look at the real estate market, I mean, you mentioned 2008, which was a, you know, it's one of those periods of time that 
defines mm -hmm. a professional, defines a uh, person that has a, uh, a real estate uh, company, uh, defines a banker. Because you have to adjust very quickly. I mean, uh, you know, I always tell the story before the crisis. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I used to manage, you know, uh, I used to manage over a billion dollars in assets. Uh, and before the crisis, I think I had to work out to the in 15 years uh, in banking at that point. The crisis hit, and I would get calls from people telling me I can pay. You know, what do you mean you can pay? Uh, and there were people that could pay you, and there were people that were taking advantage of the situation and just were not going to pay you. So at that point, you had to switch very quickly and, 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 and go from somebody that was you know, growing a portfolio uh, to one of those situations where you are you know, saving the institution, you're collecting loans, you're restructuring debt. Uh, so you have to adjust for it. So yes, I mean, you, you are defined by, by what you do in those sink and sink swim situations. That, that's what allows you to develop and to grow. Let's do it. All right, um, for those of you that just arrived, I'm Gabriel Souza. I'm a real estate broker and developer here in uh, Miami based out of Sundance. Quick summary. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of a very interesting question and a great one to bring up. Um, at that time, I, when I was just starting, I don't think I valued the position of a mentor as much as I do today. And I honestly wish that there was an organization such as this one that would have been, uh, would have uh, bridged that gap between myself as a newcomer, uh, somebody who's just developing that portfolio of contacts, to now someone who has uh, inroads with major developers or just uh, icons in the industry I'm um, getting myself into. But uh, you know, I always heard of great, uh, great people and great industry leaders, the Robert Kiyosaki's or the uh, Tony Robbins or, or whatever motivational speaker that would sort of get me through that hurdle of what do I do in the beginning of a career. Um, obviously, I didn't have uh, the disposable cash to say, you know, I'll just get on the plane and I'll go out and meet them and take them out to dinner. So what I did back then was I read and I consumed as much as I could. You know, I certainly couldn't sit down with Donald Trump, although you know, it's a big uh, question nowadays. <laughs> I have my personal views, but we're not gonna get into that. The point is, uh, I certainly didn't have the ability to just summon him and say, you know, can I have a couple of hours of your time? What I did is I just consumed every piece of literature there was out there. And every book I read, everything I picked up, every article, give me a little bit of their mind, if you will. Um, recently, um, I shouldn't say recently, about six or seven years ago, History Channel came out with a show. And it's a four-part series uh, called The Men Who Built America. You know, I watch that and I make it a habit to watch it at least four times a year. And the reason I do that is because as you go along, and I said this in the beginning, I'll repeat it again, because I think it's worth saying it. The worst thing, worse, uh, the worst thing, uh, um, I should say, worse than having nostalgia is having amnesia. And uh, you know, not knowing where you've come from 
dooms you to commit the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. What I love about that show is it just brings a personification of these guys went through the same struggles. You know, these big corporate executives, everybody that we look at today, they go through the same struggles. What separates them from us is they're willing to put everything on the line, no matter how big they got. And so um, I keep in touch with my mentors, quote unquote, in a sense where I still read. I still look at a habit to read at least one book a month. Uh, I have an Amazon account that every now and then I'm putting up another book up there. And as soon as I finish one, I'm buying another one. And I try to consume as much literature as possible. Uh, one, because I think TV will never replace literature. It opens up for your own imagination and you picture things differently uh, uh, by reading. It's two, because reading gives you a whole different sense of emotions. You're able to transcribe emotions in a different way. And I think that, that has helped me go through some of the frustrations of the pivotal moments of business. Um, luckily, you know, I, I'll use the, the phrase from, uh, from uh, Jesus, a famous golfer. Now I forget. There's a friend, uh, and, uh, and his name is in the tip of my tongue now. But, uh, Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger Woods. He says, luck, I've always been lucky in what I do, but luck only knocked on my door after 14 hours of work on a daily basis. And I think that goes along with everything. Luck will come along after you put an enormous amount of effort. Um, I was, I had just helped a client purchase a property. The client signed off and I took the keys for him. And uh, he arrived from uh, his country of origin two months after we took the keys. The power wasn't even on. We didn't even have power on. So I helped him connect power. And a week after he moved in with his family, he's using the property, told the, the person who helped me sell the property, this was a new construction. And she says, look, you're gonna have to speak to my sales manager. And I said, sure, I'll speak to him. And she says, look, I'll let you know he's tough. And I said, okay, well, you know, what's right is right. So uh, we set up a meeting for a couple of days after, and, uh, and I meet with him, and I explain to him what's going on. And I said, look, I understand that um, the truth of the matter is when somebody moves in, it's their responsibility. But what's happened here was you guys sold a faulty product. And, um, and I know you value your name, I know you value your brand, you want to keep that level of standard. So uh, I think that while some people may have taken advantage of you in the past, this isn't that guy. I can show you proof that the power wasn't even on. So he says, come back next day and I'll have a decision for you. The next day he says, bring your client with you. And he sits in front of me and I sit with my client, he doesn't speak a word of English while I'm translating, and, um, and only then I find out who, the, who that guy was. There is no sales manager, that was the developer himself. And this is a developer of a company worth five and a half billion dollars today. And, uh, and he says with me, he says, I've never, up until today, after doing 47 towers, I've never gone back to somebody who's purchased a property after a month and done any repairs. It's always on you. But because of what this guy did, I'm going to break that tradition and I'm going to go ahead and fix that. And that was the moment I started, uh, I sort of built reputation up with this one developer. And, um, and up until today, he's my biggest mentor, 
He's the, one of the founding members of Jay Milton. They've built all over it, and Sunny Isles, they've built about 10 towers. Um, Mr. Yosey Gill is his name. So long story short is, yes, luck has knocked on the door, but after a lot of work, have I kept in touch with the mentors? Sure, either by literature or by uh, just really doing what I can to stay in touch with these guys. And I constantly consult with them on a daily basis. Excellent. Thank you. Can I ask a question? Shoot. Which book? There is a book that made you go, uh-huh. Several. Several. You know, uh, uh, the, uh, Dale Carnegie is one of my favorites. How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was written in the 30s, and it's still something I treasure today. Something I pick but, up. Erna, you, I have that book that belongs to you, by the way. You gave it to me, like, not that many, 20-something. And I, ha I have to return it to you after 20 years. I have a digital copy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not bothering me. Uh -huh. Yeah, I've never read it, but... You know, it, it's a fantastic uh, uh, book. In fact, one of the things it teaches you is how to win people's admiration strictly by appreciation. And I have a great example of that. Um, three weeks ago, we did at my office a sort of a pre-Art Basel event. And we had several artists come out to the office, uh, 16 in total, and we brought some of our VIP clients. So we had it catered. It was a very nice private event that we held in the office. And uh, we have a beautiful office. We were lucky to have Stephen G. partner up with us. I don't know if anybody knows Stephen G. One of the, actually the largest uh, interior designer in the country now. And uh, he did our office. And it, it's a very good looking office. Um, and so we held the event there. The event took place a couple of days later. The artists come out and they start collecting their work. And whatever didn't sell, we actually were able to sell about $30,000 on that, on the, at that event of artwork from these artists. So whatever didn't sell, they're there to collect. I walk into the office and I see one of the artists and he's taken apart some of his work. And uh, particularly it called out to me because it's made of paper. So he cuts paper in a certain format where you're looking close from two feet away, you really can't tell what it is until you take a few steps back. And, uh, and you can start seeing shapes. And I thought it was really fascinating you know, how you can get to a precise cut. It's all done by hand. And I really started appreciating the work and I started telling him, commanding him of, of how much I appreciated it and how much I thought it was beautiful work and asking him about how many hours it took him to do that. And he turns to me and he didn't answer, he just looks at me and ponders for a second. And he says, I'll do a deal with you. You take this, you put it in your office or home, then you sell it, you pay me for it. Craving, appreciation and admiration. I showed a little bit of that, and my reward was $3,500 piece of art. And uh, that's one of the principles uh, of the book. So I think it's a really fascinating book. So it's a book. people skill more than a brain skill, yeah, talent skill, you know. What absolutely. So that's interesting. So, uh, I, there's two, two more questions that I'm going to ask you before we open up to Q&A. And one is related to, to, to the individuals that are, you interact with, and the other one is about your your industry in the future. So the first thing is, uh, how do you look at young professionals nowadays? People that are coming from the universities that are asking you for, for advice, jobs. 
uh, and then how do you deal, how, how are you managing them? And what are the difficulties and what are the things that you see that you appreciate in your industry? So I'm sure you, know, you deal with many and you have agents that are young yeah. that want to take over the world. What, what's your take on, on them and what advice would you give to our team? I mean, a, a lot of the experiences that I have with uh, younger, uh, with a younger generation comes through my five kids. You know, I have uh, three kids in, in college right now. And you have three kids in college? <laughs> I have three kids in college. I need one, to start working out more. One, uh, one in high school and one in uh, elementary school. So, you know, in the whole spectrum. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It, is, uh, it is one of the, the, one of the prides that I have. Absolutely. It was good. But, you know, what I see in them, you, know, you hear a lot, of, a lot of negative. But when you start dealing with them, what you see is that this younger generation really comes very, comes equipped with an incredible set of skills into, this, uh, into, the, into the market. Uh, you know, we've been having some discussions where we're launching a social media campaign uh, starting in January. And uh, you know, I sit down with these kids, and they're 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 somewhere else. You know, they talk about uh, you know things that are so relevant uh, in, in this particular market. Which is one of the points that that, uh, that you made. You know, our market is changing uh, in real estate, in, in lending. Um, you know, one of the you know one of the companies that I really got into like a lot, which is uh, it's a funding source for us. This company has created a, a, an integrated platform uh, to lend and to capture funding. So it's a crowdfunding platform on one end, and on the other side, it's uh, it's, it's a network to originate loans through different uh, mortgage brokers. Right. So it's one of the things that you like. It's changing the way business is being done. Um, you know, right now you're going to you can. Pick up your, your cell phone and you can go in and you can start putting the conditions of your loans. And your loans can, I mean, you can get a pretty good indication of what's going to be, uh, what's going to be approved. You know, so, I, you know, I think that if, if you want to move in that direction, you have to bring in people that are savvy of, uh, of, mm -hmm. of technology. And you really find that with the younger, younger generations. You know, you have to, um, I think that the role there that somebody in, in in our age group or in our level of experience brings in is to try to give them a little more structure, mm -hmm. right? Because they come in and they're, they're doing a thousand things at the, at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's where you help them, you know, I think that's where you guide them, you know, provide them a little more structure so that they can, so that they can be uh, very productive. But you, def you, you definitely have to take into account, you know, the, the, the set of skills and the culture that they, can, that they come with, you know, because I think that's how you make them more, more productive. You can be rigid in, in, in the way that you deal with them. Uh, you know, when when I was coming up in banking, you know, when you came in at eight o'clock in the morning and you worked at nine o'clock at night, mm -hmm. and it was that's the way you you got ahead. Uh, that's changed a bit. Uh, you know, they're they're very interested in, in 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 their time in making sure that you're taking care of some of their particular needs, and, and, and I think you have to. I think that's how you that's how you motivate them and that's how you encourage them. Uh, but you know, but, but definitely, I mean, that's a that's a generation that can definitely help you transform certain parts of your business. So I I, I think, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the things that I'm 
that we're trying to do as a, as a team is to transfer some of our skills, life skills, more importantly than technical skills. Because the reality is, you know, we're all smart people. If we want to get into any industry, we have the power. goal to get rid of the things I don't like to do and focus on my strengths. For the longest, I learned that I had to focus on my weaknesses. But I figured out that when I work with a team, I can get people who are stronger than I am in that aspect. And truth be told, I have people around me that are stronger than I am in absolutely everything I do. Um, and I think that's really the goal of any, uh, any executive or business owner is to surround yourself with people that are far better than you. Uh, but to go back and to continue speaking about that, another particular story where he is standing and he's sort of speaking to a couple of young guys. This guy comes up to him and he says, look, I'm 29, I have a three-year-old kid, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, and uh, I'm really frustrated, where am I gonna go? And he turns to me and he says, you know, what you need to realize is that you're 29. You know how many times you can fail and still pick up and go? You realize you can fail until you're about 40, 45, and you're still good to restart? Just be patient. Just relax. Take it all in, enjoy the ride, and keep trying. You know, one of the things that I feel is so difficult about this generation Y is impatience. Yeah. You know, I had this goal in my mind that I was gonna be a millionaire by 30. And I said, there's no way. I'm in this business when I was 18. By 20, I mean, I made almost half a million. And I thought to myself, there's no way. I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't. And you know, one of the things that I started learning is patience. And the track, the fact of the matter is, as you go along in career, you start realizing that your goals shift. You, know, you get married, you have kids, and all of a sudden your priorities shift. And with that, your whole perspective and outlook in life changes. So what do I think about younger kids today? My number one advice is just be patient. You know, put in the hours, put in the work, enjoy the ride. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, maybe there are a handful of Mark Zuckerbergs out there, but even with that, if you really look at his life, you think, oh, this kid made all this fortune overnight. No, he didn't. He had to overcome his parents allowing him or his parents' criticism of him letting go of college at a prestigious college, by the way very prestigious university. So I think that nothing in life comes without a price. And to be honest, anything that comes without a price isn't really worth much. So my suggestion to younger guys and younger girls is just be patient. Put in the hours, put in the time necessary, take it one step at a time, use every opportunity to learn. You know, And what Robert said about uh, relationships, I think uh, social intellectuality or social intelligence is by far the most important in any business, no matter what you do. Gabriel, I'm a surgeon. You still need to be able to have that talk with the clients, you know, or with the patients. No matter what you do in life, social intelligence is by far the most important skills. That's why I like that book so much. But look, I mean, well, I'm trying to, I was listening to you guys and you're talking about the relationship and you're talking about networking. These kids, network? Here. Absolutely. What you got is not. 
Well, this is what happens. So how do you exactly how do you integrate? I was gonna ask, like, so, you, you so take, you're taking these people that they need to be very good at social networking, but you have to teach them how to social. So that, that, that's exactly the that's problem it. that I have now, right. which is, and I don't have it with my team, and I tell you why, this is why we're creating it. It's because, it's because we have to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. They can hang out with young professionals every single day of their lives. They're their peers, yeah. they're their friends, but these people, which they want to be yeah. when they grow up, uh, do not have that certain set of skills or are not interested right. in looking at their phone. So, we have to come in the middle. We have to come in the middle. Uh, you know, creating yeah. either there's many ways. Either you work for them, mm -hmm. right? You work mm -hmm. for them, or they're your your dad or your mom, or the, the, your ma your mom or your dad's a friend. That's it. But other way, in, on the street, you're not gonna find these people. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna open up to you on the street. So that's why we have to create the opportunity. Yeah, but the question is if. The, uh, I mean, these kids that they do their social networking. Assignment and, and going back to the social network piece of it, if you show an interest, one of, one of the key things that I took away from the book, and I, and I apply this to every time I get in a group, is you show an interest in them, not you. If you ask people questions about them, people will, will, will say, wow, what a nice guy he is. Yeah. What, wow, this guy really cares about what I have to say. And in, in a social environment, if you don't spend the time talking about yourself and you ask people about them and you show an interest in what they're and, and even better if you've actually done a little research okay. on who they are that will go a long way i, mean, I love when people come to our events with a resume stack of resumes because they know that we're going to be there and they think we're going to be impressed by how they're dressed or by the resume when in reality we're not impressed by how they're dressed this is okay or their resume, we're, we're impressed about who they are as a person. Yeah. And how do we get to know them? We have to, you know. Ask questions. Ask questions. <laughs> and open-ended questions. I, I, I think there's a lot to be said if you're in a social environment, ask open-ended questions, but come with questions. Yeah. <laughs> come yeah. with questions, know who the speakers are, research them, and when you actually talk to them and ask them about their life and you've done a little bit of research and have respect in their company, and let me tell you, if you start your own company, you have that that's a big source of pride Absolutely. if you ask somebody about their company that they started that right off the bat you're gonna you're gonna make a friend Absolutely. for life and maybe a contact for life so I, I would say that's probably one of the things that I have being in the in the IT environment I deal with a lot of young professionals and uh, that's probably the one thing I don't see them do much yeah, yeah. Is they're, they're so focused on their skill on how smart they are they don't ask people about them and, and sometimes maybe somebody doesn't understand the technology, but they're very knowledgeable in their field. And if you just help them bridge that gap a little bit with technology, it's, it makes a huge difference. But you gotta talk to them. And you gotta ask them about that. So we, it's 6.30 and, and I am, uh, uh, I mean, this was from uh, five to 6.30. There's one more question I'm gonna ask, so I'm gonna ask your permission for 10 more minutes. Talk about your futures your future, both of your future, and your industry. And what are your thoughts about, you know, first continuing in this industry, or maybe developing something else? I don't know what, what your thoughts, but I would love to know. And obviously, we want to help you as well, accomplish your, your, your goals. So, 
whatever we can as a team we'll also support you in your activities as well so I mean in our industry it's a uh, it changes every day, you know, and technology is really uh, challenging us to adjust, uh, to adjust quickly. Uh, you know, I see myself doing this in 10 years, but I guarantee you that we won't be doing it the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, if we want to stay in business, we have to figure out how to, how to adjust to the changing environment. Uh, it's technology-based and significant investments have to be have to be made to be able to stay in this business and it's in, in my business and it also affects the banking business I mean that the finance industry overall it's being affected by by technology so you know that's that's what I see us doing over the next few years just figuring it out, figuring out how we're going to continue to build a better uh, better mousetrap taking into account what technology is coming is, is coming on board Um, I think that the future is going to be very interesting how, you know, take from what Robert's saying um, and what Ignacio said, technology is certainly going to be playing a bigger and bigger role. To take a little bit from what Ignacio said, I think that the big challenge is to help these young uh, adults who have been raised to uh, cherish um, attention because that's what social media is you have to tell more about yourself and the more you tell about yourself the more you tell about your breakfast and the, the more the, the, the greater the amount of pictures and the greater exposure you give others of your life the more followers you have um, is to teach them to know that relationships will only be built once they develop interest in other people's lives so um, I, I preside over a group of business owners, Brazilian business owners. In fact, this is the meeting I'm going to after this one. It's not allowed to have any fees come back and forth. Our goal there is how do I help you? How do I bring your clients? Technology is definitely going to change what's, uh, how the market shapes itself. And I think as the years go by, it will change even faster. So young adults are at the very core of allowing us to stay at the spearhead of what's going to happen and, and, and to shorten that learning curve. I see myself in, um, certainly in the real estate industry, certainly in the development industry, more than the brokerage in arena that I still uh, um, work in. But even in development, relationships are key and having the right team is absolutely going to be uh, a foundation for being able to take on all of the changes that are going to come into effect. Excellent. Any questions? Now it's open to you, anybody. Yeah. Um, I have a question uh, for the real estate guys. What's your take on buying here when they say 30 years from now, we're going to be on the world. Like, what is the, like, the, no, it's really like, it's, it's a real question. Because like, I, I see all these people saying, like, all these studies saying that this yeah. is really it is happening. happening. It is. And I see all this beachfront skyscraper going up. And I just see, like, there's someone wrong on this thing. So someone in the industry may have some insight. Probably for 20 years. 
Once you understand what's happening in the city, that everybody is working towards improving the communications and improving the infrastructure, uh, yeah. and, I, I, and I know because I have friends that are, you know, part of the Chamber of Commerce Committee that is working on improving, you know, traffic, believe it or not, in Miami-Dade, and everybody's working towards that. You create more value to Miami. Uh, now, you know, my, my neighbors are French and, and British, where before they were, you know, Cuban-American. And uh, it's, it's changing the landscape because of that. It's a beautiful, beautiful city, and there's plenty of work uh, for people here. You just have to find the right you know, niche, right? Sure. I don't think that Miami is going to go like Amsterdam or like Venice, you know? Because that's a good idea, you know. Just Amsterdam start. is not a possibility because it's open-ended, so the thing is, <laughs> has a very small wall behind it's underwater, but it's a very like so size. It's, like it's a gulf, so we cannot do like a wall around the <laughs> South Florida. It's a cape. It's completely the opposite. It's so what kind of you work for? Like it's like the opposite thing. And then Venice. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't want to be Venice, especially in summer. You've been in summer in Venice. No. This is. 360 summer, yeah. you don't want to be Venice. Let me tell you that. It's, it's like it's like living yeah. in a sewer. I live in Venice in summer. You don't want to be Venice in Miami with the mosquitoes. Like so, that. so it's either I don't know. They have to figure that out. And I was just wondering, people that are related with the the people that are doing this billions in investment, they sure have a plan. I hope you know they, they know that they're putting all this money in something else knowing that these properties that are three meters from the, from the water, the scientists are saying they, the water is going to be well, three meters behind them. I'm sure they have a so chance. Like, I'm sure no, but I'm sure like there's, money, there's money in real estate and there's money in fear. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a funny question. There's money on both sides of the fence. When 